Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Sunday, March 27th, 2022, is entitled, All Too Familiar. It's a reflection on a reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 11b through 32. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to find out more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Our reading today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 11 through 32. And again, remember those missing verses in the middle. This section is called Occasions for Celebration. All the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around Jesus listening to him. The Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling and saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus told the Pharisees this parable. A certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon after, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And here I am starving to death. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on instead as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. Coming in from the field, he approached the house and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked, what's going on? The servant replied, your brother has arrived and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Then the older son was furious and didn't want to enter in. 
his father came out to him and begged him. He answered his father, look, I've served you all these years and I've never disobeyed your instruction, yet you've never given me as much as a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returned, after gobbling up your estates on prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Then his father said, son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is one of those stories in the Bible that we think we know. It's been told so many times, even folks who wouldn't call themselves church people could probably tell it to you. It's a story of redemption where the lost child returns to find their place in the family. Except is it? Or at least is that all it is? Jesus rarely makes the point of parables so obvious. So why would this time be any different? And if the whole point of the story is the father's welcome, why bother to continue on? And by the way, the gospel says, Jesus told them this parable, this one singular parable. And then Jesus talks about the lost coin, the lost sheep and the prodigal son, all in one breath. The lectionary doesn't help us here because whoever put that together decided we didn't need to read the first two parts of the parable between verses four and 10. The parable we thought we knew doesn't fit so squarely into the box we've made, but there are some things we can be sure of. We know that Jesus chooses his words very carefully. So when he tells a story in three parts, we also need to look at the whole to understand it. And we know when it comes to the prodigal son, this is a story about family dynamics and family dysfunction. Bible characters, they really are just like us. While reflecting on this story, I couldn't help but think, of Disney's newest musical fantasy comedy explosion of color, Encanto. Even if you don't have young kids, this movie is worth a watch. You will definitely laugh. If you're like me, you will probably cry. It is so good. In this story, a woman and her triplet infants are fleeing violence. They are saved by her husband's sacrifice. She and her young family settle in the mountains of Colombia, and a village blossoms around them. And through the next two generations, each member of the family is gifted with a seemingly supernatural ability that helps the household and the village to thrive. Each member, that is, until young Mirabelle, the movie's main character. When the movie starts, Mirabelle is 15 and seeking her place and her gift among the family. 
Throughout the course of the movie, we learn what lies beneath the too perfect facade of each character as the literal facade of their beautiful, magical house starts to crumble beneath their feet. We learn about Mirabelle's deep sadness, even though she tries her best to be positive all the time. We learn about the pressure her sisters feel to be as perfect or as strong as other people expect. We learn about the family's deepest, darkest secret. When the entire cast comes together to sing, and if you are listening along at home and know what I'm about to sing, you can sing along. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. We learn about the grandmother's rage and her fear buried deep. And we see the effects of the trauma caused by generations of trying to sweep problems and difficult emotions under the rug. Mirabelle is determined to save the family on her own. She is convinced that she is responsible for everything that is happening and that she can undo it. It's not until Mirabelle runs away from her family and her grandmother goes out to find her. Then when her grandmother is able to share her real, honest experience, her true feelings, and reprocess her anger and grief into compassion and love, the family can begin to rebuild their own identities and their relationships, and together they can begin to heal. Mirabelle is convinced that she can fix things on her own. The younger son is convinced that he can get home on his own and ask for work with no help from anyone. Thank you very much. But just like when Mirabelle's grandmother goes out to find her to start repairing their relationship, the father in our parable isn't content to wait for his son to make his way back to him. He bursts out of the house and runs down the road while the younger son is still a long way off to welcome him home. This father knows how to turn his anger into grace. It's not typical of the family structures in Jesus's day, but Jesus is saying in the story, God's not typical either. God is God, full of grace and love that we literally cannot even imagine. The younger brother can't imagine it. He's worked up this script in his head about what will happen when he returns home. I won't ask for anything I don't work for. I'll say I'm sorry and ask my dad to take me on as a farmhand, and I will earn my keep. The older brother can't imagine it and probably doesn't want to. He's furious. Dad, I have been the good kid. I have been here beside you all along, working this whole time, never complaining, and you never give me anything extra. And yet this ungrateful brat comes home and you slaughter a calf? Really? Well, I've got some good news for the younger son and some not so great news for the older son. The younger son is not as bad as he thinks he is. Say what you want about his choices, but the one who was really reckless here was his father. The one who uses his wealth and resources extravagantly. 
His father is wastefully extravagant in the compassion and love that he shares with his sons. When his younger son asks this ridiculous request, he not only listens to it, but then grants it. And we could talk about all of the ramifications and customs of Jesus's time, but let's just say that this is like one of your family members coming to you today and asking if they can have the deed to your house. And then not only have the deed, but have the right to sell your house, the one that you're living in, the only house you have, and then you saying yes. The father says yes. Then after his younger son has insulted his family, sold off his part of the inheritance and spent all that money, the father accepts him back without question, which again would be absolutely scandalous. And as if the father hadn't already been so lavish with his social capital, when his older son publicly insults him, he responds again in love. This father continues to work toward a family in relationship with one another, no matter the financial or social costs. The younger son has his flaws, for sure, but he's not responsible for the ways his father chooses to use his resources, and that seems to be the older brother's gripe more than anything else. The older son is probably not the golden child he sees himself as. All his life, he's been building resentment towards his father and brother. Instead of being grateful for the opportunity to work beside his father, for the shelter over his head, for the food on the table in front of him, he looks at all the things his brother receives and is jealous. I never got a fatted calf for a party, not even a young goat. I wonder, do you think he ever asked? I mean, clearly this father loves his kids so much that he is willing to sacrifice everything for a single request. Did the older, older son ever say, hey, dad, I'm having a party. Think you can spare a lamb? Now, the father in this story doesn't have great boundaries. He's like the giving tree. Maybe you know that storybook. The tree gives of itself until there's just a stump left. And if we're talking about a real-life person, this would be cause for concern. I bet we all know at least one person who is so willing to give, willing to bend over backwards for the comfort of others, that they sometimes or often forget about themselves. If we're human, we need boundaries. If we're going to care for ourselves and other people, we just can't pour from an empty cup. But of course, Jesus isn't talking about a human parent. Jesus is responding to the Pharisees grumbling that just like the older brother, they are bitter because he's welcoming tax collectors and sinners and younger sons. Not just that he's eating, welcoming them, but he's eating with them. Jesus is the extravagant father, reckless in the way he shares love and compassion because he knows the truth. These are things you can't run out of. You'll never spend so much love that you have no more love to give. Sharing grace freely because Jesus knows that there is more than enough to go around. And Jesus isn't asking us to be one or other character in this story. He sees the immaturity and the frivolousness of the younger son, 
and he sees his commitment to hard work and the hope for rebuilding relationship. He sees the bitterness and entitlement of the older son, and he sees his steadfast commitment to his family. Jesus sees both sides. All he wants is for the Pharisees and the legal experts and the sinners and the tax collectors and each of us to recognize we belong to each other as much as we belong to him. There is room at the table for everyone to eat together. Each one of us is complex and amazing and difficult and worthy of love. Each member of our families, our friends, our relationships, they are complex and amazing and difficult and worthy of love. Strangers, and even those we haven't met yet, and even our enemies, they are complex and amazing and difficult and worthy of love. Jesus says, there is enough of my love to go around. Don't worry about that. Focus on being in relationship with one another. This brother or sister or sibling of yours, remember, you belong to each other.